0: Uh, all right hey guys so i am here today when we're going to be talking about real estate we're going to be going through the process and support that you guys are going to get when you come through as a franchise partner because that's a lot of times one of people's biggest questions right that, that especially that haven't gone open a business or open a brick and mortar business before and so I actually brought on a guest who one is our, our, our premier real estate partner Sam out of uh, Morrow Hill and they reside in Texas so Sam thanks for jumping on with me today absolutely thanks for having me excited to be on <clears throat> you bet you bet so simple kind of to the point um, once a franchise partner signs with ISI, you know what can they expect from? Kind of walk them through the process and the support that you guys provide. And then, additionally, you know, is it an additional fee? You know, I'm going to give the the clue that no, it's not. Um, but how how do you guys get paid? Because a lot of people uh, want to know that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, so uh, like you mentioned, Marho, we're out of Dallas, Texas. Um, and we do this on a day to day basis. We get a lot. We do, we're probably going to do about 1,100 to 1,200 transactions. So we hit the ground running pretty fast as soon as we get that introduction. Uh, but we'll typically get um, a little bit of detail about the territory that the franchisee is going to be signing prior to getting that intro. Uh, and whenever we start that process, we're really going to dive into the market and do our, our research, which um, I know we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more uh, specifically on it later down the road, but our research is really different and unique from what uh, kind of the rest of the industry does. We, we take an approach where we vet the market. We're not going to just print a report and kind of share uh, a list of here's properties in a market. We're actually gonna reach out to those guys and really verify uh, and also let them know who we're working with, what we're looking for, uh, and why they wanna have us in their center if they can accommodate the use, You know, no exclusives or restrictions. Uh, and in that research process, we start presenting sites to franchisees typically within five to seven business days after that intro call. Um, and they'll be able to look at all the information on those sites, look at marketing material, demographic information, um, a, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of data that we put into uh, our presentation whenever we're sharing that information. Uh, and really, once we get to that point, you know, we help guide the process, help uh, negotiate those LOIs, those letter of intents, really try to iron out the business terms of what a lease, uh, the lease terms will look like, and then we help facilitate that lease negotiation process Uh, from uh, you know, through the attorneys, getting that to where it's finalized, ready for signatures to secure the space and and get moving forward on the construction side of things.
0: Awesome. And you guys specifically specialize in franchises, right? So you guys represent some other big brands um, within franchising. It's it's what you guys do, it's and it's how you guys are are set up and designed to support franchises on a national level, even though you're in Dallas. Um you know, you guys are obviously doing stuff for us all over the country. So if yeah. you talk talk a little bit about, you know, how did they how do they how do you guys get paid? And then um talk a little bit about franchising and, and how you guys are different when it comes down to um franchising and specifically being, you know, you only are, are looking at representing the the tenants and not the landlords as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'll definitely address the how we get paid thing. That's always, I, that's always a fun question I like to answer because it's like, we, we don't take fees from you. And it always kind of takes people off guard. So we don't take any fees from franchisees or the franchisors even that we work with. Um, we get paid a commission on the lease transactions. So I like to say we don't get paid till the job is done. Uh, so uh, same thing in kind of resident, same way in residential real estate. If you had a broker help you find a property once you close in the cell, the seller's the one who's paying both their broker and your broker. So same thing here, the landlord's going to pay us after a lease gets signed and the tenant opens for business. Um, but but to, to cover really Marl Hill and really what makes us unique, there's really a couple of different things that I think that really gives us um, an edge and really the, the brands that we work with gives them an edge uh, in the real estate process. And what the what those are is number one is that like you mentioned we exclusively represent tenants and end users of commercial space um, it's pretty common in the industry and I would say a majority of the industry uh, they make their kind of uh, bread and butter off of landlord representation and they kind of do some tenant representation stuff on the side um, as a you know kind of more of the icing on the cake uh, we don't represent any landlords we don't own any shopping centers we again we exclusively represent tenants so we we entirely avoid even the perception of a conflict of interest. And uh, we can, and it gives us the ability to really work each transaction from the perspective of our client um, because we're always looking to aim and serve our clients to the best of our ability. Uh, and then as it relates to franchising, we we looked at, we've been around for about 20 years. Again, tenant, tenant rep exclusively. It's been in our DNA since we were founded 20 years ago. Uh, and probably about eight years ago, we looked at the franchising space and kind of saw that it was a Um, really an underserved market. And what we do today, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do 15 plus years ago, just with the way technology's evolved. Uh, As much as we're a real estate company, we also say we're a a technology company. Uh, And that's what allows us to be able to do all this from our headquarters out of Dallas. Um, utilizing technology, uh, and also those relationships that we've built in, in all these various markets where, again, we're working with 65 other national brands. Um, so we're in a lot of major markets. Obviously, you guys have uh, made a pretty big footprint in Charlotte, uh, but we do a lot of work in Atlanta, obviously here in Dallas, Salt Lake City, uh, any metro uh, metro market that you can think of. We're, we're likely doing uh, several transactions in that market at any given time. And so that really gives us the ability and what we've done in the franchise space as well is we look at ourselves as the the, the real estate department for the brands we serve. So I like to think of myself as uh, ISI's real estate department. So we, we, we become brand ambassadors. We're not just real estate brokers uh, that are just trying to push to get a deal done. We want to see the brand succeed and we want to grow and scale as the brand grows and scales. And so we're always looking out for uh, really representing the brand in a light that when we get into any new markets that we haven't been into, or we've already done a couple deals in any given market and we're still developing the area, uh, the landlords are excited to hear about the brand whenever we come up and we show interest in their shopping centers. Uh, and so that really is another thing I feel, I feel gives a really good edge to the brands that we work with, especially ISI uh, and the community that you guys have.
0: Awesome. Now, as far as you talk to technology and you guys, I think you're referring to vision tracker. Can you kind of break down what is vision tracker because someone that's listening may you know have the question of, well, you know if they're in dallas, how how do they know right? what's in my market? So can you kind of talk through just on a very high level what that process is because they're obviously when they come through meet the team day, they'll they'll get to hear hear from you more and and meet you more.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we use a lot of different technology platforms and licensed uh, softwares. Uh, Vision Track is specifically a, 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 a program or a platform we developed where we can present the real estate information for the vetted market to the franchisee. Uh, and we can, and so if they've got various territories, we can you know sl- separate those territories out, present all the properties, and it's going to have real time information. Uh, I like it because uh, traditionally in the in the real estate space. <clears throat> Uh, you, you you're just chasing down emails. I'm sure you've had to deal with this on some of your locations. You're trying to find that email or that landlord broker sent you that brochure or sent you the marketing rates and you, you or the rates and expenses and you can't find that information. Vision Track, we put it all in one place you can log in from your desktop, you can log in from your phone. Uh, and it's really user-friendly that you can have all that information really at the click of a button. Uh, and, and from the franchisee side, it makes it very easy again, user-friendly experience in navigating this real estate process that can be very hairy and difficult. Um, and then from the franchisor perspective, you're able to plug in. Franchisor can jump in and view the same information that the franchisee is viewing because we always want the franchisees to be able to look to Um, You know either their brand coach or somebody uh, at headquarters that can jump in and give their feedback as well, just to add that additional perspective whenever they're looking at any specific space or properties. Um, So vision tracks a really cool tool we also can upload uh, demographic information, we can look at that. Um, uh, A lot of a lot of fun stuff that we can do with vision track that helps guide the process and securing uh, commercial space.
0: Awesome. So in real estate, we, we talked about this on a previous episode, but there is multiple acronyms that if someone's doing this for the first time, um, they're going to hear. I think three three common acronyms. There's obviously a, a lot more than that. Um, so I think one, one of the good things, I don't need to say good. One of the great things that I really like about you guys is you guys take the time to educate. Um, because in the past, what I've seen with Uh, other agents but also you know within the industry is that they just assume that people know you know what is triple net what is cam charges what is an loi all these things and you know if, if you've never done it for the first time then you can kind of be going into it blindly so I definitely appreciate the the amount of education that you guys do because it's foundationally important so that franchise partners can make sound decisions because at the end of the day, as long as the site's approved, it's going to be, you know, their decision it's it's their business. And so um, if we get into some of those, can you kind of explain uh, again, top three thing that, that we're going to be looking at is LOI. Can you explain what that stands for and what is it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So LOI stands for letter of intent. Uh, so that letter of intent is essentially what we use to really trade paper with the landlord. It's not a legally binding offer. Um, once, we, once we negotiate out the business terms on that LOI, so it's where we're, you know, we're trying to negotiate the rental rates, we're trying to negotiate the lease term, the, uh, all the business terms of what a lease might look like, we're going to negotiate those in the LOI. And even once we finalize that, uh, it's not a, and we sign it, it's not legally binding, we're just saying we have the intentions. Of signing a lease with those agreed upon business terms that are in that L in that final LOI that we negotiate.
0: Yeah, so a, a huge mistake that I've seen franchise owners make is they, they just fall in love with one property, right? They're like, this this is it, and they <laughs> yeah. only submit one LOI, and, and that's not the way to go. So, can you kind of talk through why it's why it's critical to submit three four LOIs at one time?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very critical and definitely something i like to cover in our process as we're getting started. Um, but yeah, the, the reason I like to do multiples of them is because they do take some time to negotiate. I'd expect probably two to four weeks for any given LOI negotiations, uh, just because we trade back and forth with the landlord. Uh, landlords are typically pretty slow, and so we always try to put some pressure on them to get the feedback and get the trading going back and forth. But with that time frame, uh, we want to have several irons in the fire because we don't want to spend, you know, three or four weeks on that LOI and then it falls apart. Now we're kind of all the way back to square one. So if we have several LOIs that are out, we can be negotiating various deals and in in alignment with each other. We're working through that same timing. Uh, And then if one falls out, we can keep working on the others that are in play still. Um, And then also it really helps as a way to compare and contrast. Like you mentioned, a, a franchise owner really falls in love with one specific site and you know, they're 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 getting to the point where they're starting to you know give a lot more than they really want to because they want to have this one specific location. Um, and there might be a really nice property just uh, block down the street or across the street um, that's really given better deal terms, giving better concessions that, um, you know, you might miss the boat on a really good opportunity because we're so hyper focused, and you might be, and you don't have anything to compare it to as well. So it's good to have those comparisons, uh, be able to you know, compare and contrast those offers. And then again, have several irons in the fire that if, if one falls out, we're still, we still got a few things that are cooking that we can keep moving forward with in secure space.
0: Awesome. So uh, if you guys are listening to this as well, another really important thing uh, of why Morrow Hill is is critical to, to your success when it comes down to real estate is... The, just the the pure amount of deals that they're that they're doing for ISI, right? So they they really understand the brand. They know what we're looking for. They know the brand standards. They know the demographics. They know the parking situation we're looking for. They know the sound attenuation. They know the like minded tenants, and so you're not having to go recreate that wheel um, when, when you go with them. And I think that's that's really really important because it's going to expedite the process uh, and really get you in front of. Locations that that are going to be viable and successful for you when it comes down to real estate. So, when it there's really two other terms I want you to hit on. There, when they see an LOI and a lease and in real estate, there's really two rental rates that we see, right? We see the base rent of, say, uh, something is $25 a square foot, and then you see A triple net or CAM charges, and maybe that's six, seven, eight dollars a foot. Obviously, those numbers are completely based on the market condition and all that. But right, can you kind of explain those two, and then which one of those are going to be negotiable?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. So the like you mentioned, there's the base rent and the triple nets. Um, The uh, the triple nets, you'll see them as uh, again like you mentioned CAMs, or you'll see them as like three capital letter N's that are just thrown somewhere in that lease, triple net expenses, or in that LOI, Uh, and those expenses include the taxes, the insurance, and the common area maintenance, or CAM, that's CAM stands for, um, that essentially the property runs, you know, the cost to run the property, the taxes, insurance, and common area maintenance that's needed. The landlord takes that, they pay it, and they pass it through to the tenants on a per square foot basis. So every tenants essentially paying kind of their fair share just based on their footprint in the shopping center. Um, The base rent, that number is always negotiable. Um, we, We always try to attack that number when we get into the negotiations, but the triple net expenses aren't. So what we do, what we can do is we can put a cap on controllable expenses Typically, you know, the landlord doesn't want to put a cap on taxes because they can't control what taxes are going to be year over year. The insurance is usually a pretty small portion of those expenses. I've, I've never really seen it go over a dollar a square foot. Uh, it's usually a lot lower than that. And then the, uh, the, the common area of maintenance is a, a kind of a little bit of a uh, gray area because that includes things like contract services, so like landscaping, uh, if they have any day porter services, anybody that's coming and you know, emptying out the trash cans. Uh, and that also includes the utilities you, that that are used to run the parking lot lighting, um, or uh, if there's a if you're if we're in an area that there's a, a lot of snow, the snow removal is included in that common area maintenance. Um, so, so that common area maintenance portion, we try to put a cap on controllable costs, which really is primarily those negotiable contract services. We don't want the landlord to you know go, you know, pay double on their landscaping because their brother-in-law started a landscaping company. Uh, And then the tenants are the ones that are kind of uh, eating the cost on that additional expense. We want to make sure there's a cap on that. So the landlord's got some vested interest in making sure that number stays as low as it can.
0: Awesome. And then uh, really uh, two, two other important things. First let's talk about what they may hear is TI, which stands for tenant improvement or even TIA, which is tenant improvement allowance. Can you talk through that as far as the negotiation piece and, you know, essentially the, the dollar amount and kind of what is the purpose of the TIA or when will they get paid that? I think that's critical and kind of what's the norm versus what can be negotiated if they can get, say, 50 percent at 50 percent completion um, and then second generation versus a cold, dark shell. And what is a cold, dark shell?
1: Yeah, yeah, so there's definitely a lot that we can. I can. We could probably spend a whole another 30 minutes talking about the whole construction and, and the kind of condition and tenant improvement allowance portions. But the, the we'll typically negotiate this in the LOI, and it's it's always unique to every specific deal. I feel um, it's uh, the tenant improvement allowance. Essentially, what what it is is it's a uh, an allowance from the landlord that's going to go toward the tenant construction or tenant improvements, uh, and so. We usually want to look at this in a kind of comparing it to the delivery condition, which is also going to be crucial. Um, if we're getting, let's call it 20 bucks a square foot in TI, uh, how do we know if that's good or bad? Well, if, it's, uh, if we're looking at a space that's a second generation, um, let's say a dentist's office or uh, a restaurant, uh, there's a lot more work that's, go- that's going to be involved with gutting the space, removing some plumbing, capping plumbing. Um, moving walls, et cetera, et cetera, all the work that goes into that, if it's a restaurant, taking out a grease trap, removing a vent hood, all that stuff costs a lot more. So 20 bucks a square foot in that specific condition is not really a great deal. Uh, But if it's a second generation fitness studio, that's a very similar layout to what we could utilize, uh, well, then 20 20 bucks a square foot is going to really go a long way for us because there's not much work that actually needs to be done. So we always take that tenant improvement allowance, that number, we always look at the condition of the space and try to make sure that you know HVAC equipment's in good working condition, that it's not too old, or that if it is old, the landlord's going to replace it, uh, or they're going to warrant to replace it through the term. Um, if they're not doing any of that, then we want to just get the money from them to replace it. So we, we can do a lot of things in the negotiations to, to really maximize those tenant improvement allowance to make sure the condition of the space is going to be uh, suitable for us to get in, construct the space and have, have that space working properly for you know, 10, 15 years. We don't want to have to stop midway and have to reconstruct or you know, reinstall an HVAC unit if we don't have to. Uh, and so uh, the other question you mentioned, the, the delivery condition is uh, you know, first generation or second generation. I kind of touched on the second generation. Um, really, that just means second generation. It was formerly something else. Uh, Whenever we're vetting sites, we always try to find out what that was and try to get those floor plans if we can, uh, so that we can understand the condition of that space uh, specifically. Uh, First generation uh, is exactly where the first first user to go in the space is going to be us. And so it's generally, it's new construction. The first generation spaces are typically going to be delivered in that cold dark shell that you mentioned, where there's no HVAC unit. Maybe the electrical, maybe it's stubbed to the premises, but there still needs to be an electrical panel that has to be installed. Uh, the plumbing is left on a leave out at the back of the space, so you still have to build out the restrooms. So the first generation, uh, kind of the pros and cons of it. The pros is really you can lay out however you like to, um, and it's, you know, typically it's also a good thing because it's a new property. So you also have a fresher facade. It's a newer, uh, newer area maybe, um, or a new an upcoming area or maybe a redeveloped property that again looks really well. Um, But the the first-generation space, you can lay it out however you would like, but the cost of that scope of work, because we're installing HVAC, electrical panel, building the plumbing, a lot more expensive, a little bit more of a cash outlay is really the construction side. Um, But typically we're gonna get a lot more in tenant improvement allowance from the landlord, that TIA. We're gonna get more of that from the landlord because of this cold, dark shell delivery. Uh, and then I think one other thing that's worth mentioning is, like you talked about, the when this actually gets paid. Um, typically, the landlords aren't going to pay out the allowance until after we open for business. So we do need to make sure that we have the the, the capital to get through that construction process. Uh, we always try to negotiate to see if we can get you know get it paid on a draw, where we might get fifty percent of it halfway through the job, get the other fifty percent when we open for business. But traditionally, most landlords want to wait until you're actually open for business, they want to see that it's all been paid for. And they want to know that you're in a position that you're going to start paying rent fairly soon, or are already paying rent before they're cutting a big, you know, 60 $75,000 check uh, to go back to you for your for your, uh, your costs in the construction.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point because you know, you as a as a franchise owner, you really need to understand your your cash position. Um, If you're going to go SBA, you know, typically the SBA will front that money for you, and then when that TI money gets paid back, it'll go directly towards the principal of the loan. Versus if you are going to be funding this, you know, maybe from a four hundred one k or completely yourself, then you need to make sure that you've got the capital to to get to that point. And if you know, if if you don't, or you absolutely need that TI at fifty percent, then that obviously needs to be communicated to the real estate team. But also know that you um, inherently are limiting, you know, some of your negotiation power, and that's going to be something that you're ne- negotiating. It, I've done it several times. It can be done. Like I don't want to make it sound like it can't be done, but definitely. Um, I think that's a piece going into it that you need to know. The other thing we haven't talked about is free rent or, you know, maybe when rent starts. And, you know, I'll let you talk a little bit about the levers here that I see. Um, but Sam knows from us. We, we tell him because we understand the timeline of what it takes to go through plans, to go through permitting, and then to, to actually get through construction. And really our goal is for our franchise owners to open without ever paying rent, right? That's the ultimate goal is that you're not paying rent during construction. And if we can even nail one to two months of free rent when they open, that's amazing. So when we look at this, we permitting in, in, in an earlier episode, I talked about permitting is kind of the variable that no one can control because it's based on municipality. So when we are negotiating our LOIs, we really love to say, you know, 150 to 220 days post permit, because that way we know that it is controllable, and that is going to give you the best chance to open um, without, you know, having to fork out rent while you're uh, while you're in construction. So. Going on that piece, and again, another reason why Morrow Hill is a great partner is because they know all of this. They know our timeline. They know why why we want it and because we're going through pre-sales and why it makes sense. So that's going to be part of the negotiating process. With that, there's three levers that I typically see from landlords. There's free rent. There is TI dollars. And then there's the actual base rent, right? When you're negotiating... Typically, you can identify when you put out the uh, the original LOI, and then they come back. You can identify kind of the lever that they're willing to give up. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's always the way that we look at it. It's really like you said, the the levers is probably the best analogy for it. Is you know, you move one, it's going to maybe uh, have an effect on the other lever. Uh, and like you said, generally, our initial offers. We we usually start from a pretty uh, similar baseline on all the offers we send out. We try to maximize that rent commencement timeline. Try to get some additional rent abatement, which that's kind of the two flavors of, of free rent, which I can talk about a little bit more. But uh, and then we 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 maximize the tenant improvement allowance. We we ask for the landlord to do some work prior to delivering the space. We want the landlord to deliver the space in a vanilla box. So we we want to we start our initial offers from a fairly aggressive position that really kind of is sometimes on the border of too aggressive. And that's really a a fine line. We try to walk with that initial offer because I, I oftentimes get a call from a broker that just says, Hey, this is too aggressive, you know, and I have to kind of talk them off a ledge and just say, Hey, just give me a response. Let me know what you guys can do where they can bend so we can see where we need to close the gap. And like you said, once we get that initial response from a landlord, that's really where we can kind of start to see those things. We might see the landlord say, hey, we're willing to give you all of this TI that you're asking for uh, and all of this free rent that you're asking for, but we can't really bend off this rental rate. Or we might see a landlord that says, hey, I really can't give you all of these TI dollars, but maybe I'll give you actually just did a deal for a uh, Uh, ISI uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, we just signed an LOI. The landlord wasn't willing to give us a lot of TI dollars, but they gave us 10 months of abated rent after, actually 12 months of abated rent after the lease is signed. So we can kind of play with those levers to really kind of make sure that we're getting some substantial concessions, again, setting the business owner up for success whenever they open their doors.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important for the owner to know what levers they're willing to give up because it's like when they're building out their pro forma is, you know, are you, you, do you want to invest less cash upfront? If that's Mm -hmm. your case, then you really want to go after the lever of TI. um, But just know that, you know, your rent rental rate, you're not going to get a great rental rate. And at the end of the day, you're like, Mm -hmm. let's just be real. Like, they're paying for that TI in their lease over the course of 10 right. years, right? right? They're amortizing right. that over the course of 10 years. Um, so when it comes down to that, just know, like, if you're like, I don't want any TI, which I don't advise, um, <laughs> unless you're just capital heavy. But if you're like, I don't want any TI, then you're going to have substantial negotiating power to lower that that monthly rent down. So, um, yep. but yeah, I, I know we wanted to go about 20 minutes. I think we went a little bit longer than that, but a ton of... <laughs> great information and again guys you guys will get to meet them as you're going through the discovery process um, at, at meet the team day and then additionally you know as soon as you become a franchise partner we'll set up that onboarding call and they'll go straight to work to find those uh those locations in your guys's market what would you say um leaving this sam what would you say and take this with a grain of salt Because every market is different. A lot of this is dependent upon how engaged the franchise partner is, which I talked about in an earlier episode. But from a timeline perspective to get a signed LOI and then a signed lease ballpark, what are we looking at?
1: Uh, Yeah, so we we track this across all the brands that we work with. And our average timeline um, from that introduction to where we're getting a lease that's signed is about 120 days. And so that the LOI signing, I would typically expect probably 45 to 60 days. Oftentimes, maybe 45 to 90 days. Sometimes, just depends on how the offers and the negotiations go. That one's really, that one's really a lot more variable than you know the full picture of it. And then getting a lease signed. Once we have a signed LOI, I expect we're going to have a final lease to sign within four to six weeks of that of that final LOI getting signed. Um, So that's that's big picture of it. uh, Our average timeline.
0: And then legal review, a hundred percent of necessity, correct?
1: A thousand percent of
0: necessity.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That's a, that's a really big portion of that because that legal document. Uh, you know, we we are not an attorney. We don't have any attorneys on staff. Uh, I'm uh, once I graduated, I told you know my professors I'm never going back to school, uh, and so I'm not going back for for a law degree either. But we work like we mentioned. We do a lot of transactions, and we work with a lot of commercial real estate attorneys, and so we have a a pretty pretty short list of attorneys that we know do great work that are also affordable. Uh, and so we like to refer those groups out to our clients to help, the, help them, you know, again, one, make sure they have some legal representation and reviewing that document. Cause this is a, a 10 year, typically five to 10 year lease agreement that people are signing. You want to make sure that that's, that's buttoned up and has a, has a, an attorney review on it. Uh, and then also making sure that they're not, you know, billing just hours and costing people, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars uh, that doesn't need to be spent on a lease review. So there's a, we, it's necessary, but we want to make sure we're not you know uh, bleeding ourselves out with cash just to get it done. So uh, definitely something we help guide through in the process as well.
0: And what would you say just so they have some context, what would you say is affordable? Meaning like what could ballpark range, what would they typically yeah. spend on a legal review for a lease?
1: Yeah. So our, uh, a lot of the, uh, groups that we referred, they probably range from three to seven thousand dollars in that total review. Um, but uh, for the most part, I mean, I know uh, some of our brands that work at you know twelve thousand to fifteen thousand square feet, um, they're not spending more than seven. So for for our footprint, uh, I would expect we're going to be on the three to thirty five hundred uh, expense on that lease review.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. We all, and us as a brand, I think we have two, uh, two additional attorneys, not, not in-house by any means, but that, that we have. And I think they're around the same price. They might be about 2,500 flat rate fee. Um, so I think the moral of the story is you got a lot of choices, um, and you got a lot of support behind you. You have a great real estate team that's been doing this for many years that knows our brand inside and out. Uh, Because I do know, you know, if you're listening to this and you're you're looking at opening a location, that's one of people's biggest questions and or fears is how do I find a good location? So we put a lot of time into it. We have great partners around it. And so you guys are in good hands. So
1: yeah, appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, man. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, if I can just end on one note with that, because I know that, again, like you mentioned, the real estate's always the one piece that can get people tripped up and everybody wants, well, I want to know more. I want to know more. Um, I always say like, you know, we really help guide this process. We do this on a uh, day-to-day basis uh, and definitely, and I know it's a big, uh, a, a big trust, but we we are definitely going to guide that process and make sure that you're within those brand standards and within that business model to set you up for success with the business model that you're investing in. So um, and you know, everybody looks to buy into a franchise because of the system. Uh, and what we do helps just stabilize and bring a system to the real estate aspect of it so that, you know, franchisees aren't out there doing it on their own.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, man. Appreciate your time. And, Absolutely. um, Great. yeah, they'll look forward to talking to you as they come through the process.
1: Likewise. Look forward to it. Thanks a bunch.
0: All right. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.